Today's episode of Locked On Eagles is brought to you by the Peacock and Williamson podcast. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all across the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Eagles fans? Welcome into another edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. As always, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Louis DiBiase joining you on this Friday edition of the show. Guys, it's episode number five this week of five. Downloaded into your phone wherever you subscribe to your only daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. We are available on Apple, on Odyssey, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google. Wherever you listen to your shows, you're going to find LOE five days a week. Normally Monday through Friday, this week's schedule kind of hectic, but we have still done four episodes. You can find those on any podcast platform. And hey, we're always talking birds on Twitter as well. Hit us up at Lockdown Birds at DBRCLOE. My co-host, Gino Camilleri, he's off for the day again. A crazy schedule this week, guys. We'll get back to doing more dual shows, combo shows next week with Gino and I together on the podcast, especially with the preseason starting up for the Eagles next Thursday. Finally have a game to talk about for the first time in a long time. So I'm really excited to get back into talking about the Birds and some X's and O's, some on-field results with Gino next week. And you can follow him on Twitter at GC24 underscore football. Today's show was a fun one because on Saturday, yesterday we all saw, or I don't know who actually watched it, but I'm sure we all wanted to see Ben DiNucci play, right, with the Dallas Cowboys and, you know, Dwayne Haskins with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But the Hall of Fame game was yesterday, and that's the start of the first real NFL action of 2021. And with the start of the Hall of Fame game in the preseason also comes this weekend, the Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony for the 2021 class. And it's a special one for the Philadelphia Eagles because their all-time leading receiver in receiving yards, in receptions, in touchdowns, Harold Carmichael, he is finally being inducted into the Hall of Fame after a long, long waiting period. He finally gets in on Saturday. This is a long time coming. And like I said, Harold Carmichael, an absolute legend in Philadelphia sports. This guy, again, is the all-time leading receiver with yards, with receptions, and touchdowns, and he played in the 1970s. I think this is an awesome story, and it's a long time coming. Look, I think you guys know, for those that follow me on Twitter, this is more something I talk about on my Twitter account rather than on the show, but I don't take sports that seriously pre and in for my older audience. I'm very sorry for this, but I think sports right now, it's just superior to what it used to be. Even the 90s, I think it's vastly different right now. Even the early 2000s, I think the athletes right now are bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. They're just more advanced than it used to be. Sports right now, and it's a good thing. They're on a higher level than they've ever been. So it's tough for me, like, again, it's like the NBA debate when you're comparing Michael Jordan to LeBron James, or you start talking about Bill Russell, and I don't know, you know, who else is uh, back then, those types of players in the 70s, in the uh, 80s even, it's it's hard for me to say, 
Wayne Gretzky in the NHL. Like, if you put Connor McDavid in the 1970s or in 80s, I think he scores 300 goals in a season. Did you see the kind of goalies that were playing? So for me, I take sports, I don't want to say not seriously at all, but I take them less seriously going back pre-1980. I just think sports right now are superior. I think if you put Babe Ruth in the modern-day MLB, he's getting struck out literally every single time. But that doesn't mean that there weren't some guys in that era that were just stuck in the wrong era. And I think that's Harold Carmichael. I really do. I think Harold Carmichael was the Calvin Johnson of the 1970s. Because, again, there's some players you just look back in the 70s and you're like, that guy could never make it now. He was, you know, 5'10". He ran a 4'7". But at the time, the level of competition just wasn't as good. So he could make it in that style of league. Whereas right now, it wouldn't work. So, again, it's harder for me to take seriously. But there was nothing about Harold Carmichael's game that was, I think, fitting to his era. If anything, he was trapped in his era. This was a guy that was 6'7". He could run in the 4'4s, 4'3s. He helped the Eagles make their first ever Super Bowl in the 70s. I just think he, if you put him in, if you take that exact player, drop him in now with modern-day training and coaching, he's one of the best receivers in the league, and he's still a Hall of Famer, just like he was back then. So it's well-deserved that Harold Carmichael is getting into the Hall of Fame on Saturday. And he wasn't just a huge, impactful player on the Eagles on the field, but also off the field. After he retired, this was a guy that, and still is to this day, a huge mentor for current players. Since he retired, that was a big role that he has had and still has with the organization. And so Carmichael is somebody that, I don't know, I feel like he goes under the radar when it comes to Eagles legends, right? We all adore Brian Dawkins. We love Randall Cunningham. We love Reggie White. We talk about Donovan McNabb and Nick Foles and LaShawn McCoy, Brian Westbrook, right? So many different players of the 2000s and the 1990s. And then you got the likes of, you know, Tommy McDonald and the 60s guys, Chuck Bednarik, Concrete Charlie, that won the NFL championship against Vince Lombardi. And I'm not saying Harold Carmichael never gets talked about, but... I think when it comes to all the all-time Eagles, he is the one that probably does go under the radar the most, maybe is the most underappreciated. I mean, honestly, I think his jersey should be retired. And it won't be now. Alshon Jeffrey wore number 17 as wide receiver one, and they won a Super Bowl. They gave it to Nelson Aguilar when he was a rookie back in 2015. So they're not going to retire it now, but they should have. I just I don't know why they haven't. I don't want to do it now, though, because... I don't like retiring a jersey once you already gave it away. I think it kind of taints it. I think it kind of ruins the novelty, the value of it, the special feeling that it provides because a player like that, no one should ever wear that number again after him. There should not be a single player after that player that wears the number. And so you're not going to retire 17 for Carmichael after many, many players have worn it since he retired back in the 80s. It's kind of the same thing with like number 36. You should never retire... Brian Westbrook's 36, especially after Jay Ajayi, like Alshon Jeffrey, number 17. Jay Ajayi was given number 36 when he was traded to the Eagles at the deadline in 2017. And then as RB1, he helped you win a Super Bowl in 2017. So you're not going to go back now and retire 36 for Brian Westbrook when you gave the number away and the guy that took it after him helped you win a championship wearing that number. But I do think it was a mistake. I think they should have retired 17 for Carmichael. And if they tried to make it right by doing it now, I wouldn't blame the organization one bit. But at least one thing is being justified here with Carmichael, and he is 
deservingly so, getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton on Saturday. Cannot wait to watch that ceremony and celebrate with Eagles fans. I'm just, I'm not sure why, though, when it comes to the Eagles, why they handle his number differently than others. Like, I love Randall Cunningham. I love Brent Selleck. And I'm a fan, although he blocked me on Twitter for saying I didn't want to sign him after they drafted Miles Sanders. I'm a big fan of Darren Sproles in his game. Why won't they give away 12? It's been 25 years since Randall Cunningham wore number 12 for the Eagles. Darren Sproles, they won't give away 43. They won't give away 87 with Brent Selleck. Even number nine with Nick Foles, nobody should ever wear that again, but they don't let anybody wear number nine. Why do they give away 17 so often? I'm not really sure. But Carmichael is getting honored the way he deserves this weekend. My question for you now, heading into segment two and three that I'm going to talk about, and again, I want to know what you think on Twitter, at LockdownBirds, hit us up. Who's next? Harold Carmichael finally gets into the Hall of Fame. We got Brian Dawkins in a couple years ago, right? Reggie White is in. All the Eagles legends that I think should be in pre-2000s football, they're in Canton. So who's next? Who are the next Eagles that should get into the Hall of Fame and will be considered when they either already are eligible after retirement or when they do eventually hang it up? We're going to get into that coming up next right here on Locked On Eagles. And guys, today's show is sponsored by, oh man, a, per- a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. It's Built Bar. It's covered in 100% chocolate. It's soft. It's easy to chew. There's flavors for everybody. Coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, you name it. You've got all those flavors at Built Bar. And there's 17 to 18 grams of protein and only 130 to 180 calories in every bar. It's a healthy alternative to your everyday snack. Remove the sugar from those candy bars and get the same great taste because there's only 4 to 5 grams of sugar in each Built Bar. Best of all, I can get you 15% off your order today when you head to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your next order at built.com go check it out built bar the candy bar in a protein bar form all right eagles fans welcome in to segment two of this friday edition of locked on eagles honoring harold carmichael the eagles all-time leading receiver who is going into the hall of fame tomorrow night cannot wait to see number 17 get in it's been a long time coming the next question on today's show that i want to ask you and again hit us up i want to know what you think at locked on birds at dibiase loe Who is the next Eagle to get into Canton? I think there are some legitimate candidates. I think when you, here's one that I really don't think though should get in. Donovan McNabb. And maybe he has the best case though of all these guys I'm going to talk about, or at least in some people's eyes. I don't think Eagles fans are going to disagree with me because quite frankly, Eagles fans just don't love Donovan McNabb. But when you look at as much success as McNabb had in the 2000s, having more deep runs in the playoffs throughout his career in that time frame than maybe anybody outside of Tom Brady. I'm not sure comparing him to Peyton Manning, the playoff wins, Mark, but nobody went to more conference championships outside of Tom Brady. So Donovan McNabb had a lot of success, a lot of team success, and that team success was because he kind of carried that offense along with Andy Reid. I mean, McNabb threw to a lot of bad receivers outside of one and a half years with Donovan McNabb and another, you know, two years, half a year with Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, you know, LaShawn McCoy. Outside of Brian Westbrook, he didn't have a lot of stability at the receiving core, at the weapons 
closet <laughs> throughout his career. But at the same time, I just don't know if I could put him in there because then if you put Donovan McNabb in the Hall of Fame, I think it opens the door for a lot of guys that probably should not be in there. A lot of guys in that 20 to 30 all-time passing range that maybe didn't make as many runs as McNabb in the postseason, but maybe they won the big one. When you look at a guy like Joe Flacco, you know, he didn't make four or five conference championship games, but he made a, a couple of them. He made two. He won a Super Bowl. He had one of the best playoff runs of all time. I don't know. I just think if McNabb goes in, a lot of quarterbacks, you could open the door for a lot of those guys to get in when they don't deserve to. I think the most obvious guy that's going to get in is Jason Peters. He is, when it's all said and done, a first ballot Hall of Famer. The minute he retires, you should put him into Canton. He's been one of, if not the best left tackle in the league for a decade plus. So Jason Peters should be, and nobody should wear number 71 again in Philadelphia. I know there's kind of a bad taste in people's mouths right now with Peters because of how long he lasted in Philly, and last year he had no business being on that team and starting over Jordan Maialata. But we all know how good Jason Peters was for the Eagles. He has an awesome story, and he is going to get in as a first ballot Hall of Famer. So I'd say no to McNabb. I'd say obviously for Jason Peters. And then after that, there's kind of a middle ground here. There's kind of a debate that you could have. And I think you could also make the debate for McNabb, as I kind of laid out for you. I think there's two guys on defense that I think you could make the case for. Two of, I think, the best ball hawks of all time. Eric Allen and Asante Samuel. 54 career interceptions, all time for Eric Allen. 51 for Asante. I think Asante, though, especially should get in. When you look at how dominant he was when it comes to interceptions, turnovers, nobody has this kind of success anymore. Five seasons where he had at least five interceptions. He had three seasons where he had at least seven. Do you know how hard it is? He had two seasons where he had nine picks and then ten. Do you know how hard it is to total those kind of turnovers year after year on a consistent basis? Asante Samuel, and he makes the case I love. He's such a fun follow on Twitter. He makes the case for himself to get into Canton all the time. But this isn't some guy that's like, you're nuts. You have no chance of getting in. Asante has a really good argument. I think better than Eric Allen, but even Eric Allen should probably be considered for it. I think he's kind of the forgotten man in those historically great defenses in the late 80s and the early 90s. So I think you can make the argument for Eric Allen. I think you can make the argument for Asante Samuel. I don't know. I'm just, I'm more lenient when it comes to Hall of Fame inductions. Some people only want the best of the best all time. My criteria is this. Can the story of football be told without them? If you remove this player from the equation, can you tell the complete story of the NFL? Is that cheesy? I'm not sure. Maybe that's the journalist in me that's thinking in this romanticized way about the Hall of Fame, but that is how I look at it. So it's why I would consider guys that maybe others wouldn't, like Deshaun Jackson. I think you should definitely put, and he probably won't make it, but I think you should definitely put Deshaun Jackson in the Hall of Fame. I think he, if you are the goat of something, and something significant, not like QB sneaks, or, you know, getting a team to go off sides, or one-yard touchdowns, you know, like not greatest of all time at something minimal like that. But if you're the goat of something significant, like Deshaun Jackson is, you should be in. Deshaun Jackson is the greatest deep threat of all time. Yeah, you could say Randy Moss. You could make the argument for Jerry Rice. Are those guys better receivers all time? Yeah, obviously. They're maybe, they are probably, I think Kelvin Johnson is, but those are two of the top three 
best receivers in NFL history. But when it comes to just the niche role of niche, niche, I don't know. I'm going to go with niche. The niche role of just being a deep threat. Nobody did it better, and nobody struck fear into the hearts of defenses more. That could just be used as a decoy, even when he wasn't catching the football. That could make an impact off the ball more than Deshaun Jackson as a deep threat. And the stats back it up. He has the most 60, 70, and 80-plus yard touchdowns in NFL history. He's only a few away, and I think he's going to break this with the Los Angeles Rams, especially with Matt Stafford being their quarterback now and not Jared Goff. He's going to break Jerry Rice's 50-plus yard touchdown record too. So he's breaking the records of Jerry Rice and of Randy Moss. He's ahead of these guys in the majority of these deep yard categories, these explosive play categories. And also, you got to throw in the fact that he's one of the most dangerous returners, punt returners, in NFL history. He's got more 25-plus yard plays than the vast majority of teams since he started in the NFL in 2008. More than teams, not just players, teams. Also, his 17.4 yards. Look, guys, I came ready with stats. You know how I love my boy DJX. He's a Hall of Famer in my book. The GOAT as a deep threat. His 17.4 yards per catch, it's the highest in the NFL over the last three decades, over the last 30 years. So to me, if you're the greatest of all time at something, I think you should be allowed in. This is also why they won't get in, probably. I think one guy has a better case than the other. This is why I'm okay with Randall Cunningham getting in. This is why I'm okay with Michael Vick getting in. Those guys, the story of the NFL cannot be told. There's a lot of quarterbacks to this day that would not be in the league without Randall Cunningham and Michael Vick starting off in evolutionizing, revolutionizing, I should say, the quarterback position as mobile quarterbacks. Randall Cunningham was the all-time leading rusher as a quarterback of all time, and then Michael Vick broke that record. Funny enough, both of them set those records as Philadelphia Eagles, which is really, really cool. So the reason I became an Eagles fan is because of how much they loved mobile quarterbacks and how much I loved mobile quarterbacks. The story of the NFL cannot be told. Cam Newton, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you look at all of these players that have this mobile style. This is what the NFL wants now. Randall Cunningham and Michael Vick, they were doing it when only a few other guys could run like them, and, or at least to a certain level had mobility. When honestly, nobody could run like Cunningham at the time. Nobody could run. We have never seen anything like Michael Vick when he came in. Now we kind of see some, like Lamar Jackson, but at the time, they revolutionized the game. They changed the position forever, and now that's what the NFL wants. If you're not mobile, teams are not investing in you. How many first-round quarterbacks have gone in the last five years that weren't mobile? And if they weren't mobile, if they were traditional pocket passers, how many of them have actually had success? How many of them have teams actually committed to long-term? The story of the NFL cannot be told without Randall Cunningham, without Michael Vick. They changed the game. If you change the game forever, you've got to be in the Hall of Fame. So I think Deshaun Jackson, I think Randall Cunningham, I think Michael Vick, those guys should be in. The vast majority of people, I think, will not agree with me with that take, but I stand by it. I think those guys should be in Canton. MV7, DJX, the ultimate weapon, put him in Canton. All right, guys, let's take one more break. We'll wrap up this edition of Lockdown Eagles. Coming up next, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, Eagles fans, welcome back in to this Friday edition of Lockdown Eagles. Louis DiBiase joining you. Episode 5 of 5 this week. 
enjoying a nice uh, sour as I wrap up this edition of shows. I'm a big sour beer guy, if you guys didn't know. Drinking the Artisanal Brewworks Warheads uh, Watermelon Sour. So it's a good day. We're celebrating a Hall of Famer in Eagles history, Harold Carmichael. He gets inducted into Canton tomorrow night. And we're also just talking about right now on the show, next Eagles all-time greats that could make the Hall of Fame. I think Randall Cunningham should be considered, Michael Vick, Deshaun Jackson, Eric Allen, Asante Samuel, Jason Peters is going to get in. I would not put Donovan McNabb in the game, although he's got a good argument, as good as the other guys I mentioned. I think there's some other maybes. Like, I think LaShawn McCoy, honestly, might have the best case of anybody that I mentioned, including the names in segment two outside of Jason Peters, because LaShawn McCoy, Shady is the all-time franchise rushing leader, despite only playing six seasons with the Eagles, and he was the best at his position for a decade. Plus, right, outside of Adrian Peterson, who can you make the argument was a better running back in the 2010s than LaShawn McCoy? Not just with the Eagles, but... He killed it with the Buffalo Bills, and he helped end their 17-year playoff drought. Running back, he was a great receiving back. There isn't anybody that could make you miss more in the open field outside of maybe Barry Sanders. LaShawn McCoy changed the way the running back game was played. He's a unicorn, honestly, because even though I think he changed the way the game was looked at, kind of like Barry Sanders, there's not a lot of guys that can do what LaShawn McCoy did in the open field. He's the greatest of all time, I think, in making guys miss. I think better than Barry Sanders. And so when you change the game like that, when you have a talent, when you had a specialty that nobody else could replicate outside of maybe as many people as you can put on one or two fingers, that guy deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Again, I'm more lenient when it comes to letting guys in. But LaShawn McCoy, I think, has a really good case. And I think Shady, honestly, is going to get in. I don't think the last two rings he got the last two years, coasting on Tampa Bay and Kansas City, are going to help him out riding the coattails of two greatest of all time quarterbacks, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes and uh, Tom Brady. But he did enough. He did plenty, I think, to get into the Hall of Fame in the 2010s. And then I think two other names I think of in the Midnight Green era, Darren Sproles could. Sixth all-time in all-purpose yards. One of the best returners and two-way running backs ever paved the way for undersized running backs. It's a great story. And again, that's what the Hall of Fame is. It's storytelling, right? So I think Darren Sproles is a really good case, and I think he might get in. And then the last name I'm thinking is Zach Ertz. I mean, he broke Jason Witten's single-season tight end reception record in 2018. He's been a top-tier tight end for going on a decade, right? Game-winning touchdown in a Super Bowl against the greatest dynasty of all time a game-saving play in that Super Bowl as well on fourth and one. To me, the most nerve-wracking play of my lifetime. Just one of the best to do it, and he's still killing it right now. He looks great in training camp. The numbers are only going to continue to pile up. I think Zach Ertz, you could make the argument, could also go in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if he's going to, though, because here's the difference. If Zach Ertz played around the time of Tony Gonzalez, then he probably would be a shoe-in. He'd be a lock, because outside of Tony Gonzalez... How many tight ends were this kind of receiver, this kind of separator in the open field? Not many. Whereas Zach Ertz right now, though, I feel like has always been tight end three behind Rob Gronkowski, behind Travis Kelsey, now behind George Kittle. Maybe even, you know, the, the tight end position is just changing now with Dallas Goddard. We see another one in Philadelphia, that receiving type of tight end, that 
can do it all. Kyle Pitts coming into the league now with the Atlanta Falcons. I think Zach Ertz might be overlooked now because of the era. Like Harold Carmichael was a prisoner of his own era. And I think Zach Ertz is a prisoner of the era he's in with the position he's in because of the game's changing. He might get overlooked, especially stylistically, not a flashy guy, but the production is there. So you can make the argument for Zach Ertz as well. Definitely for LaShawn McCoy and definitely for Darren Sproles. I think I don't know how many of these guys I mentioned. A handful of them are going to get in. If I had to put my money on it, I would say Jason Peters. I don't know if Asante Samuel gets in or Eric Allen. I would say the two guys I think will definitely get in, Jason Peters and LaShawn McCoy. Now, I think, I think after that, Darren Sproles is a really good case. I would put in Michael Vick. I would put in Asante, but I don't know if they're going to get in. But we got Harold Carmichael going in on Saturday, so enjoy it. Celebrate an Eagles legend, and we'll see you next week for another week of Locked on Eagles shows. Guys, we've got a game finally on Thursday to talk about. Hit us up on Twitter, subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see you on Monday. As always, thank you for downloading, thank you for listening, and let's go Birds.